Welcome to Code Orange, whether you're a doctor, nurse, therapist, technician, assistant, or administrative. We've got you covered for the next 30 minutes, spilling the dirt on all things healthcare. I'm Allie. I'm Paige. And thanks for joining us on the show as we gab with each other for your entertainment, education, and enjoyment. This week on our show, our guest is Jordan Thay. He is a physical therapist for us at Prior Level Home Health takes great care of our patients and so we're going to be interviewing him and hopefully saying some funny things as well. Um, We picked Jordan to be our first guest because he has some um, unusual stories, unusual experiences in homes with patients. We're going to be exposing a lot of different things on this show. You know, going down the road, we're going to be interviewing a lot of different types of clinicians, doctors, nurses, all kinds of people. Before we really get into uh, your star moment, Jordan, we'd like to start with a bit of news from the healthcare world and um, always something that kind of leaves us scratching our heads just a bit to discuss. So, Paige, what do you have for us this week? Well, so, of course, we're wrapping up this pandemic, hopefully. And so the CDC all of a sudden just announced, was it last week, that, okay, everybody, just take your masks off. It'll be okay now. (laughs) That's kind of what I heard. But I think maybe, like, the actual thing, you know, recommendation was that fully vaccinated people can now have their masks off in public spaces inside and outside. But I'm thinking I'm not ready for that. But and then the state of California is saying, no, don't do that. Um, leave your masks on until at least June 15. So I head don't know. to head, California guidelines versus CDC. Where are you at, Jordan? Where do you feel on this? <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm happy to take uh, to be able to take my mask off. <laughs> it's uh, nice to not have that pulling on my ears all the time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess kind of. I think it gets tricky because I imagine that if everyone abided by the rules of the mask and vaccinations, then it would be easy to say, "Hey, if you're vaccinated, don't wear a mask." But of course, then everyone's just going to say, "Yeah, I'm vaccinated," right? <laughs> so I think exactly. that, I think that's where it gets tricky. Yeah. Is like. It's kind of like when you have someone on TV on screen by themselves wearing a mask. It's like clearly they're not doing anything except showing. It's just the idea, the, the visual of showing right. the mask. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in, in in that sense, it's probably easier just to say, keep your mask on until we're at a higher percentage of yeah. people. Then it's not confusing and it's not this whole like people having to say, you know, I, I have, I'm vaccinated and proving it and this and that. Yeah. Um, but I know also people are really tired of it. So I think. I'm guessing that government wants to show, hey, we're making progress, so we're going to mm-hmm. let a lot of people not wear a mask. Mm-hmm. But then it just makes it way more confusing, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think, too, each state is so different, and each area is so different in terms of their numbers that they had, where they're at now, and, like, their population size and how close people are living. Um, you know, in this area, people live very close together. Mm-hmm. And so I think it should, you know, kind of take into consideration all those factors which obviously the CDC does not do. It's a more broad guideline. Yeah, which it seems kind of, I would imagine that if they're going to give a pretty big guideline, that it would be more conservative Mm -hmm. in its action, um, just for the reason of not everyone's going to follow it. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of 
set the line right. a little bit closer, then right. if someone goes over it, it's not as big of a deal. But yeah, I, I think it's more just what people have been wanting for a long time and the pr- feeling right. the pressure of that. Definitely. Definitely. Well, and like thinking about we're not going to change our policy yet for clinicians in mm-hmm. people's homes because who knows what you're walking into, you know, where you could be walking into mm-hmm. a whole gang of people that like, you know, freeloading off of grandma's house and you have no idea if they've been vaccinated or not. Mm-hmm. And there have been so many times where I've like bent down close to take, a, you know, listen to a patient's lungs or take vitals or something. Mm-hmm. And they just cough right in my face. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, before COVID and like even just in the cold and flu season, it's disgusting. <laughs> and and you're taking home all kinds of who knows what to your family. And I mean, I'm not out in the field a ton anymore, but I'll tell you, I will be wearing a mask for a very long time. Yeah. Going into random spaces, traveling. I mean, yeah. I, I am curious um, in the medical profession if there's going to be more of a mask mandate, mm-hmm. like especially for flu and cold yes. season, because it just makes a lot of sense when you have when you have when you're in such close proximity with so many people, right? And that's already you know flu season already hits us pretty hard. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, flu numbers were down yes. this year. I mean, I, yeah, drastically. I think so everything like, was. The I mean, obviously, was. just a lot less interaction because yeah. people are at home, but right. also just way more cleaning way more you know protective equipment for totally. everyone yeah. um so I w- i'll be curious to see in a few years if flu season looks similar to covid precautions mm-hmm. yeah that's true. i mean i would imagine it would yeah. make for a healthier community um, at least during that time of the year but of course it was hard hard to get people to buy in during a pandemic so how right. will they be on a regular right. flu season i don't know Well, and i've worked at facilities before and also talked to a doctor who works in an ER. And this doctor, for example, has said that for years he has wanted to just wear a mask everywhere he goes in the ER. Hmm. And basically administration has told him, no, you hmm. can't do that because it's it's alarming to the patients. Mm-hmm. We don't want to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And no, you can't do that. Yeah. And so he has a lot of relief. Like now he's got the green light. You know, he's yeah. not going to be how can they argue with him if he's wanting to wear a mask right. from here on out? And, you know, if you're paying for it for yourself, I mean, leave me alone. Right. I'm going to wear the mask. And mm-hmm. at another facility I worked at, they, you know, there was this one flu season that was just awful. And it was circulating through all the staff, the patients. It was a norovirus, so violent things happening to people what kind of things in terms of bodily (laughs) fluids and violent and so everyone was afraid and they didn't want to get this until we started putting on masks and then our infection control um, department came through and told us that we all had to take off our masks and Mm. that wasn't Mm. acceptable Hmm. yeah it's it's interesting we'll see if there's a switch in that stigma of like like with the ER doctor, not wanting to alarm people. Mm-hmm. Seems like, especially with the ER, you don't even know why people are there. Exactly. People don't know why they're there. Right. They so could have TB and you're... Have, yeah. Yeah. It, it mean, seems... It also, I guess, I, w- I would imagine if it also keeps your employees healthier, that's going to save you money in the long run. So right. if you pay for a few masks, it seems like... 
to start every interview with what we like to call a code orange moment. Um, and for those that don't know, in the hospital or in healthcare facilities, code orange is often called when there's some kind of chemical spill, major cleanup, or external disaster. And anyone who's ever worked in healthcare has had a situation. Or that, two. <laughs> that or was exceptionally messy, dangerous, or potentially otherwise hazardous. So, Jordan, the Jordan, please spill the dirt. What is your hazardous spill? So the the moment that comes to my mind when I first think of Code Orange uh, was in my first few months, actually, of practicing as a clinician. Ooh, fun times. And uh, there was a, a total knee replacement um, patient that I was working with, and his wound was bandaged, um, was covered, <laughs> But there did seem to be a bit more swelling in the area. <laughs> okay. And uh, so we were going on with our exercises, and he was demonstrating his ability to squat. Uh-huh. So we had been working on some squatting exercises, and so he started. And with the first repetition, when he got down to the bottom of his squat, something shot out of his oh. wound. Ooh. Oh. Through the bandage. Through the bandage. Ew. Everything oh. came out. Oh. It was... Um, like the bandage just busted open? Like the bandage busted, oh. well, like a small piece of the bandage busted open. Kind of like when you have a, a hose and you oh. cover part of it with <laughs> cover part of it with your thumb. And oh, so then no. the water comes out a bit faster. <laughs> <laughs> you can almost think of it like in those, you know, uh, in those uh, really gory movies when someone gets like their neck cut and the yeah. blood like pulses out. Yeah, yeah that's, oh. that's kind of what it looked like. And... He continued to do repetitions of squats. Oh, did he know? And so with the next like two, they just kept like squirting out every time he got to the bottom. And I didn't quite realize what was happening at first, right? It's kind of a shock when this blood is being like shot at you. So And where were you standing? I would, luckily, I was standing to the side. Good. So I was, uh, I, I was getting, uh, I, I was, we were working on mechanics. So I was on the side of him, luckily. Uh, my clothes stayed clean. Luckily, we were also uh, in a treatment area that had hard surfaces, oh. so it wasn't oh. carpet. Ooh. Uh, but Ooh. after that, um, after that, we stopped. How many reps did he get in? First? It was about three reps, <laughs> and then I realized what where, what was happening. And, and is this this guy's wearing shorts? I'm this guy's wearing shorts. Okay. Um, and so we uh, so we we stopped the session. Took a little closer look, <laughs> got him over to uh, urgent care, and it turns out he had an infection. Yeah, so oh, it actually yeah. was, it was actually a, a, a pretty big deal. But he ended up being fine after it was all said Ooh. and done. So it was actually good. He did some squats so we could. So it wasn't <laughs> all blood. Flesh. Maybe some pus. In Maybe there. some pus. I yeah. I try not to look too closely. Okay. To see what was all there. Uh, what was yeah. all there? May but, have been uh, old blood. Does that stuff make you squeamish? Uh. It does. It does when I, if I see it indirectly, like if I see someone else working with someone like that, or if I'm like watching a video of it. (laughs) But for some reason, when I'm the one who like has to clean it up and deal with it, I'm okay. Okay. So if I'm like in the situation, I don't know if it's like my, I'm like, I have to do this. And so I just block it out or what. But if I see it any other way, I'm like, I I can't handle it. But I was, I was okay then. Um, luckily, his bandage did keep most of it, so uh, it, was, it was only a small amount. Ooh, but. Sick. That is a serious hazardous spell there. Tell us 
little bit about, you know, your career, where you work now, any expertise um, that you have? Sure. Yeah, I'm. A, I have been working now for just over five years. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my time was in outpatient orthopedics. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I did a residency related to outpatient orthopedics to help hone my my skills in that area. And then since um, the last uh, half year, I've transitioned full-time into Mm. home health, Mm. still under the orthopedic branch, as Mm -hmm. most of our patients uh, at at prior level are uh, Mm orthopedic-based. So still using a lot of those same skill sets, um, but now just in a different setting. Hmm. So traveling to patients' homes instead of, uh, instead of them coming to me. How did you get into physical therapy? Physical therapy, uh, I, well, I decided to go into physical therapy when I, once I started hearing about it, it kind of, it, it meshed with everything that I was interested in. Hmm. So I was always very active growing up and I enjoyed working with people, especially in smaller, more, you know, entrepreneur personal Mm -hmm. settings and physical therapy allowed me to help people um, one-on-one and it allowed me to help them get back to movement which Mm -hmm. was always really big for me Mm -hmm. so I always had you know my 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 greatest memories most of them are revolving around athletics and sports Mm -hmm. and just being active or being out in nature and hiking so I thought man it would be great if I could help people get back to that Mm Um, and, and I also, again, I liked it just because I got to spend a lot of time with people. Yeah. So instead of a 10-minute visit or instead mm-hmm. of a big group setting, I got to really spend a lot of one-on-one time mm-hmm. um, with these people as I tried to help them. I, I enjoy education in that aspect as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like, I like the teaching aspect of it. So yeah. it kind of just blended everything that I enjoyed doing um, into one. Jordan, looking forward the next, you know, couple of years, five, ten, what are you seeing in the healthcare industry, maybe home health or personally, culturally, what are you, what challenges are you kind of seeing out there? I think some of the, I think some of the, the bigger challenges that are facing our healthcare system um, as, as we look forward and try to project what those may be. I think it is related to uh, the state of a lot of individuals. I think I don't think it's a really bold prediction to say that we are getting more and more unhealthy just yeah. kind of as a as a nation. Yeah. And what I have realized since transitioning to home health full time, right? Obviously with home health patients it's the patients that have more things going on and so for one reason or another they're not able to leave their home so we have to go to them Mm -hmm. and I think one thing that is pretty common with much of these patients is that there is so much going on Mm -hmm. that they do need physical therapy but they also need a lot more Mm -hmm. right they do need some help with nursing but they also need a lot more yeah and historically we have been a nation that is really focused on um it has not has not focused on preventative right. medicine yeah. very heavily. So I think the challenge is going to be: can we make a shift early mm. enough to do more preventative stuff, to do more comprehensive care, yeah. so that we can really help these people before it gets too bad? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, there's a lot. There's not many patients that we have, uh, in my opinion, that in home health that wouldn't have benefited from interventions 
six months ago oh, yeah. or a year ago mm-hmm. that that is comprehensive in nature right you know with meeting right. with dietitians yes um, doing preventative physical therapy type things yes. um you know lifestyle medicine that that kind of more holistic approach i, th- I think will go a long way to prevent kind of the direction we're heading mm-hmm. i mean you know the numbers have been out for a long time now where you can just see most of what is killing americans or really hindering our life our quality mm-hmm. of life is uh is preventable yeah. right mm-hmm. things right. things like diabetes um things like these mm-hmm. you know Heart cardiovascular disease, issues yeah. right that mm-hmm. that are so heavily based on lifestyle um so okay. i think that's that's one thing i've noticed a lot more personally now that i'm going to these patients mm-hmm. homes because um, when i was in the outpatient world it's the healthier individuals so you don't see right. as much of that yeah um, I think the other thing, uh, the other one of the other challenges is that there is also a correlation that I can feel and see a lot more now um, that is related to health and socioeconomic mm-hmm. status, um, and I, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's we we like to compartmentalize things, I think, mm-hmm. and, and try to kind of silo them off so that it's. Mm-hmm. They're different issues, but I, I just I don't think that that is the case, right? Yeah. So I think that in addition to helping someone with all these other health with all these all these health issues mm-hmm. in a preventative way, can we do something to improve their quality mm-hmm. of life in other areas so right. that it's not such a stressful situation because of their socioeconomic status? Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and so I think I think that will go a long way, right? Obviously, we we will admit that stress plays a role on health. But then we don't want to take it seriously if someone understanding the stresses that someone has when they're dealing, you know, when they're in a in a low income situation, right. mm-hmm. and how that's going to then affect all mm-hmm. their overall health right. and lead, you know, lead to yeah. cardiovascular issues, diabetes, and what services to it. they can get. And yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I think that's that's kind of like the really big picture. Yeah. I think the hard thing for me is what's my role in that? How, right. how do I help on the individual level? Is there is there something I should be doing? You know. Um, on a on a grander scale, right? Some form of activism or something like that to to you know to help. Is there a, a lane for me to do that, or is it best for me to kind of stay where I'm at and working with people individually? Yeah. So I think figuring figuring that out is the is the next personal challenge that I have in mm. terms of um, my profession. Well, I definitely can um, tell you that you go above and beyond for your patients and. So I think you're doing your piece. Um, and I know that, you know, th- there are some programs and different payment models being pushed out. And that is exactly what you just touched on with, you know, whole person yeah. care and shifting to more comprehensive care. And so just by having clinicians be aware of, you know, those those needs out there and what is actually out there, it's different to sit behind a desk and read about these changes and um everything that they're going to put into effect, but to go out there and see it firsthand and speak to these patients, um, it's, it can be really tough. So you can go home feeling emotionally drained at the end of the day and, and think like, what can you do more? And so, you know, I think that is what partially makes you a great clinician. And, um, luckily we have a lot of those on our team. So, um, I know there's a lot of programs starting soon. Um, especially for the Medi-Cal population next January. There's a program called Cal-AIM initiative that's starting, and that is basically 
promoting whole person care and comprehensive care and they have a bunch of work teams designated to working with specific groups one of them being um, a mental health some of them being like postpartum and so they're targeting specific populations within the medical population and it's a statewide initiative so that's something that i hope that you know the company can be a part of and you know help make those changes especially having clinicians like you that you know, see it and want to be part of the change. So I think we're headed in the right direction, but it's definitely a big challenge. Well, and I think the cool thing about that Cal AIM thing Mm -hmm. is that we would potentially be able to be out with the patient for a significant chunk of time, like Mm -hmm. months, um, to be kind of like on call and providing them all sorts of different services checking in on them like Mm -hmm. hey did you go get your pills filled for your blood pressure meds that you just got Mm -hmm. prescribed and you know because part of the challenge right now is that we're not able to provide patients as much as what they really actually need and could benefit from Mm -hmm. because we're so restricted by medicare requirements like number of visits compensation you know we obviously have to home health companies have to watch number of visits so that we can even keep our doors open because if our number of visits gets you know crazy out of control like what we would want to provide people potentially if they were a grandparent you know there's there's no profit in it unless you're watching that and that cal aim thing sounds kind of exciting you Mm -hmm. know yeah yeah, yeah, I think it's a, a, a good step in the in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. The next opportunity we want to talk to you about is a side hustle. You know, in today's world, most clinicians also have a life outside of their job, obviously. Um, and we find that a lot of people have a side gig, a side hustle going on. So, Jordan, do you have a side hustle? I do, yeah. Thanks oh. th- Thanks for asking. Thanks for letting me plug it. Um, <laughs> so my, my side hustle, yeah. as, you, as you call it, is uh, it is a company that provides practice exams and study guides that can help uh, physical therapists and physical therapist assistants pass and get their license. And really what we're offering is practice law exams Hmm. for the state of California and for Florida Mm -hmm. for physical therapists and physical therapist assistants. Okay. So for those of you that don't know, in order to be licensed in either of those states, you have to take a test at a testing center that goes over all the rules and regulations of what it takes to practice physical therapy in that state. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we are, our aim is to help make that um, exam easier mm-hmm. so we provide practice tests mm. and um, study guides again for those for those states cool. so how in the world did you think of this business but why is it only california and florida how did you so yeah so to, so to answer your first question of how do we think of it um we myself and my business partner we wanted to um we were wanting to help in the process of getting your license mm-hmm. and there's basically two exams you have to take the law exam and that is pertaining to the specific state you're in and then the national exam which is covering all of mm-hmm. like the physical therapy content so mm-hmm. what you need to know to be able to practice safely with patients mm-hmm. um, and so we just wanted to help kind of in that lane and so we we realized that um, 
there was a big need for the law exam specifically, um. and so we so we created some material for that. Um, the the reason why it's in those two states is that only six states require you to go to so I require you to take a like a written exam essentially. Oh. The other states allow you to do it online, open book, you know, from your own home. Mm -hmm. And so oh. California and Florida are two of two of the states that require you to actually go to a testing center um, and take an exam that was, you know, that that you have to actually prepare for. Hmm. Um, and so yeah, we have so we have practice exams and study guides for those. Wow, states. awesome! That's have really you taken cool. it in Florida? Sorry. Have you taken the Florida exam yourself? I have. I have not taken okay. the Florida exam uh, myself. What we do to create the exam is we use the study material that's put out by the respective uh -huh. states. So you know, California says, yep. "Hey, these are the materials you have yep. to know mm -hmm. in order," and it's you know, 150 pages of material. Yeah. A lot of it legal jargon, so it's just not easy to sift through and go yeah. through. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted to help. Um, condense that and make it a bit easier to digest easier to study uh so so that so yeah that's why that's how we created it and so even though we haven't taken the exam in florida we um because of the material that they mm -hmm. put out it allows Got us it. to know what's on it cool yeah um, and and be able to create an exam based on it and then we also took a class on we we also went to a, a class on how to write questions mm -hmm. in this specific format. So the company or the organization that creates the test mm -hmm. also puts on yeah. classes to help people write high quality questions. Awesome. And so yeah. we kind of went to the source for that in terms of training for writing the the questions. How cool. So, so now Jordan, we're going to put a link to your business website. Is that how you say it? As a link on our podcast. Yes, a website, that's a thing page. Yeah. You know, on the worldwide <laughs> internet so that you can find Jordan's company. Yeah. Maybe a link in the, for the yellow books too. Pages, yes. pages yes. that we would maybe call low tech. The white pages and the yellow pages. <laughs> Send out a flyer. Okay. Yeah, yeah and so then, yeah, tell us about that, Jordan. Yeah, so we'll, yeah, there'll, there'll be a link for our website in the bio. It's Edson dot org e d s y n dot org but there'll be a link in the bio and uh for all of you listening out whoop, there whoop. That, that need uh help passing your law exam we'll give a 25 percent discount uh, awesome. with the code prior level as the coupon so we'll we'll put a a, a note yes. of that in the link as well but again awesome. just use prior level thanks, when you're Jordan. checking out yeah and you guys will get an extra 25 percent off big things big things it's it's valuable you guys i still have ptsd from one question on my law exam and there's not many so you sweat the one i'm so confused why there's a law exam for why does nursing not have it that makes me nervous <laughs> it's all integrated I, like are we becoming lawyers here or i'm confused by that I think you know the the idea behind it is liability right if, yeah. if i'm gonna if i'm practicing then i should know what I would be liable yeah, for, yeah, or yeah. I should know, um, have an idea of what the penalty is, right? To scare you away from the, <laughs> from, from doing things. Right. Um, but yeah, just making sure that you, you are aware of how to practice yeah. ethically. Yeah, yeah. Within right, your scope. Right, within your scope, exactly. Um, you guys don't have that, and we, you push I, heavy meds. It's all integrated. It's all kind of like, all rolled mm. in one into the NCLEX, you know? Yeah. Okay. In a big traumatic way into one test. Traumatic. Yeah, have, well, we have so, two traumatic tests we have to take. Wow. Yeah. But you do also come out with a doctoral degree, you know, so I think that there's somewhat of a, 
there's a high level of professionalism, I think, with physical therapists. So it's good. That's yeah. good to know. I'll be sending some people your way for sure. Awesome. And it's Sounds almost graduation, good. so. It's graduation. It's graduation season. So if you if get you, that if, surge, if, if you're a student and you're listening, or you know students, uh, <laughs> send them our way. Send Use them the to code. Edson. Use, Use the code. The prior code. Level. Awesome. Yeah, get you passing that exam. Very cool. Well, thanks. And coming to work for us. Oh, yes. Yes. Second play. <laughs> Jordan, thank you again for taking time out of your day to join us here on Code Orange. We've enjoyed talking with you, learning about your business, and hearing your experience, your spill. Um, so, listeners out there, take a minute, like, rate, or review our show, please, on whatever platform you might be listening on, and be sure to tune in next week for the next Code Orange. So, sorry I told you the wrong time that our podcast was starting, Jordan, and now you're late to your first and maybe second patient, and I apologize for that. But as we discussed in staff meeting earlier today, be sure to call them and let them know that you're running late. (laughs) But thank you for coming, and um, we can't wait to keep doing this and see who our next code orange person will be. Thank you for having me. I feel honored to be guest number one. <laughs> Numero uno. Numero uno. I'm sure many more to come. So yes. thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Peace out. but I feel like I've been doing all the talking. Okay. (laughs) And he already said what he loves about it.